Hello, and welcome to Love at First Screening's special series, Rom-Com Road Trip, where we take you on a winding journey to find the best love and laughter as we create a rom-com plot of our own. So grab your favorite snacks. Like an ambiguously fruit-flavored toaster pastry. Or you can grab mini M&Ms that are specifically in the regular size, not short size, green tube that you can twist the top off of the tube and then use it as a projectile. But hurry, we've got a few friends to pick up. I call shotgun. You drive. Buckle Buckle up. up. We're doing better. Yeah, I was not actually looking at you when we did that, so I think that was probably pretty good. Oh, I was staring you down. I was, I lost. I was in. in a different tab, so I couldn't see you. No, I understand. It's okay. But you really probably should be the one to drive today because I have started nursing a single beer. Mm. I gotta follow the rules of the road. Don't drink and drive, kids. Nope. It's gross. Don't do that shit. Well, Madison, I I have to update you on something super important. Okay. As you know, because I texted you, this past weekend, I purchased Wildberry Pop-Tarts for the very first time, which you have said on this very podcast are the superior flavored Pop-Tart. It's true. So I thought here live, not really, but in recording- uh, I could tell you my feelings about this Pop-Tart. Okay, hold on. I have to reposition myself in this chair. Okay, wait, no, I want to sque- squeeze this pillow in case this is bad news. Hold on. I'm ready now. I thought that the Wildberry Pop-Tart tasted like every other fruit-flavored Pop-Tart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So I don't know why the wild berry would be better than like the strawberry or the blueberry or the raspberry. I'm so glad you asked because it tastes like all of them and none of them all at once. I decided after eating this Pop-Tart that I don't think Pop-Tarts actually taste different. I think they just taste like Pop-Tart. <laughs> And I think that the only one that might taste more unique than the other ones is the cinnamon Mm, mm Pop-Tart. But every other Pop-Tart, it it just, they all, and even the cinnamon one, they all have a distinct flavor of Pop-Tart. That is incredibly true and accurate. I like to think of Pop-Tarts having flavors to adults as the same way that Fruit Loop colors have different flavors to children. Interesting theory. Yeah. Like, we all know they're actually all the same thing. They just color them different. For fun. Also, my other complaint about Pop-Tarts. Well, actually, I guess the first one wasn't really a complaint. It was just an observation. But this is a complaint (laughs) and an observation. I love them. They're never frosted correctly. It feels like false advertisement to put a photo of the Pop-Tart on the front of the box that is perfectly frosted where that like slightly puffed mound in the center is what has the... (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it. 
Continue. The raised area in the center uh-huh. has a perfectly layered bit of icing. And then the edges are the Pop-Tart color. So if it's a fruit one, it's like a beige. And if it's like a chocolatey one, it's like dark brown. But every time I've ever had a Pop-Tart in my life, it's like, who's frosting them? Are they okay? There's always a bald spot where I can see the, because I don't know, they do sell unfrosted Pop-Tarts. They do. And I love unfrosted strawberry Pop-Tarts are my second favorite Pop-Tart. And the unfrosted ones, you can see there's like holes. Mm -hmm. And most pastries like pies and things like that, you would have holes for the cooking process to let air steam get out so that it doesn't like bubble and explode. But you can see those on an unfrosted Pop-Tart, but I shouldn't be able to see them. Shouldn't be able to see the holes on a frosted (laughs) Pop-Tart. And there's always a bald spot where it's like a a smear of color, but like I can see the texture and the hole underneath. And also, most I've never had a Pop-Tart where all of the edges were naked. Every single time I've had a frosted Pop-Tart, at least one, if not two of the edges are covered in a thick amount of frosting that really should have been on that bald spot. (laughs) And I just feel like in this year, 2023, we should be able to frost a Pop-Tart appropriately as advertised on the box. And I don't think I'm asking for a lot. Let me get this right. Um, so you are telling me your 14-year-old co-host that the mound was not properly frosted, and if it was, you wouldn't have to see the holes, (laughs) but in the instance that it is frosted and you do still see the holes, it is a problem. I understand your plight, and I also understand that an unexpected bald spot would ruin most people's day. Well, and here's my other thing. These aren't ambiguous toaster pastries. These are Pop-Tarts. These are name brand. I'm paying at least $1.50 extra for these, so they should be frosted correctly. These are not store brand, okay? These are legit, okay? These have a certificate of authenticity yeah thank you these have a certificate of authenticity okay (laughs) these are designer toaster pastry (laughs) if you had if you had a tear if there was like really crappy stitching in your Mm -hmm. designer bag you'd be pissed it's true i think i have a right to be pissed that these aren't frosted correctly i think that we have enough people who listen to this podcast to create a uh, class action lawsuit as long as we can prove the damages that these balding pop tarts have caused to us which i think would be substantial not that i know anything about this because i know nothing about the law i'm very sorry for your plight i am glad that you tried my number one favorite pop tart and found it disturbingly ambiguous in flavor Tasted like a Pop-Tart. That's my favorite thing. Yeah. And here's the thing. Pop-Tart is not a bad flavor. Is it the best thing you can 
eat? No. But it's not bad. I'm not upset yeah. about it. I'm not upset about the flavor. I am upset about the frosting. <laughs> the presentation is garbage. But the flavor's fine. What would Chef Ramsay say about this? Nothing nice. No. And in a really angry British accent. He'd be really disappointed. Not even disappointed. He'd be furious. Yeah. Two-syllable word. P-S-T-A. Actually, that was three. I stretched it out a little extra. Just for you. Thank you. You know what? You know what? I, I know how much this Pop-Tart plight means to you. And I want you to know that I, who makes Pop-Tarts? Is it General Mills, I assume? Probably. Or Kellogg's. Yeah. One of those two motherfuckers. I will write them the most strongly worded email on your behalf. And let you review it before I hit send. That's all I've ever wanted. Is someone to write a completely ridiculous, strongly worded letter on my behalf. I did actually one time take, I was having dinner with my parents. We were having, and my um, sisters, and we were going to have a side salad with whatever we were eating. And my mom had just bought one of those bagged salads. And we open it up and, you know, it's supposed to be like sad lettuce that's half rotted (laughs) and a bag of like shit to throw on top of it in the dressing. Just mounds of plastic waste is what I'm really getting at. And there was the half wilted lettuce and then nothing to go on it. The little packet with all the shit that's supposed to go on it wasn't there. Rip off. It's just sad lettuce. Exactly. So I... Spent five minutes filling out an online form to tell them that they had failed me as a bagged salad company. And then she got a coupon, two coupons for a free bagged salad. I think we make the mistake, right? Like a Pop-Tart is not a meal at a Michelin starred restaurant. And therefore we settle for not just mediocrity, which is the Pop-Tart itself. But we we settle for just a pittance of a pastry and no more. We should be able to enjoy mediocrity to the fullest, okay? I agree. Because that's, some of us, that's all we'll ever get. Fully frosted Pop-Tarts for all is the platform I am running on in 2024. She's got my vote and I am handing out buttons, bitches, in the reclaimed sense. (laughs) Are you currently rereading that? I just finished. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I have. I actually not a lot of people uh, know this, but we do on rare occasion meet in person. And um, we did that recently. It was a great time, and um, I also quoted that book to you so many times. I told you you should work for a dung beetle charity. We could name the book. Actually, should we? Yeah, we should. Because that'll give them a chance to read it before we do our bonus episode. Or listen to it. The audiobooks for these two books are actually really good. Yeah, they're really good. The narrator. Okay, so we've probably mentioned them before. The two books in question are Boyfriend Material 
and its sequel, Husband Material, by the author Alexis Hall. They are delightful rom-com novels. Highly recommend the audio if you are into audiobooks because the narrator is truly excellent. All of the voice work is so, so great. You know, it's funny. I read the second book early. It came out in August of whatever year and I read it I think it came out in August of last year and I read it in January. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have the audiobook because that wasn't an option for the arc. I just had a digital copy. And but I could hear the narrator's voices as I was <laughs> reading. And I they're just lovely. They're that distinctive. So yeah, we we're planning a bonus episode for when we're on hiatus between seasons, and um we're gonna do um like a book club rom-com discussion of those two books. So if those interest you, uh, you know, might be a good time to pick them up. Get yourself ready. Highly recommend. Even if you don't pick them up for this purpose, they're very good. They're a fun time. Do you think that I should get a copy that I can read with my eyes instead of my ears? I, 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 this is one of the books that I own in three different formats, both books. Awesome. Or, well, I guess I don't own the audiobook, but it is available through the app where I'm subscribed. So I have access to the audiobooks. And then I have the digital books that I bought when they were like on sale for like $1.99. And mm-hmm. then I, I bought used copies of the paperback editions because I wanted them on my shelf. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, I wanted to tell you too. Since you have access to where I subscribe to, well, where where I get my audiobooks, it'll be after this is posted. So anyone who wants to check it out, check it out. Um, but I pre-ordered the audiobook for it's a it's an indigenous dark fiction anthology called Ooh. Never Whistle at Night. Okay. Yeah, um, it, the editors are Shane Hawk and Theodore C. Van Alst Jr. Um, has a bunch, bunch of different authors included in it, um, including Rebecca Roanhorse. So who <gasps> I love Rebecca Roanhorse. Yeah, so I have, have you read Black Sun? I haven't actually. You have to read Black Sun. I still I have need to, to learn how to sequel. read. <laughs> I know. That's the struggle, really. <laughs> I know. That's why I just keep reading with my ears. Um, but but no. So if I it drops on September 19th, I will be blowing through it. And then please feel more than welcome to do some hacker shit and hack into my account. Incredible. It'll be magical, I think. Oh, yeah. I also like that they've labeled it dark fiction instead of horror. Um I'm interested to see how that all goes, but I digress. Madison, speaking of magical. Yes. I have prepared for you a rom-com. It's a little spooky. Uh, Oh. Well, I don't know that spooky is the right word, but it does contain magic. Because I realized that this episode will come out in the middle of October. <gasps> Ooh, that's so sad for us because we had such a good movie planned for October. <laughs> we really did. That's okay. Next year. Yeah. I have a very witchy second chance romance for you today. I'm 
so excited. And before we even jump in, I want to give you a wild card before I know anything. Okay. One of the characters either has to get or has to have a cool ghost tattoo. Okay. Because I have a cool ghost tattoo and I want to feel like I can relate to the character. Our main character, her name starts with a V. Something Ooh, witchy. About Vivian. Okay. So Vivian, she needs somewhere to lie low and hide out from her warlock ex-boyfriend, whose name starts with T. Mm, Tolliver. Tolliver? I don't know. I panicked. <laughs> um... <laughs> that is a terrible name and I reject it. I know it is a terrible name. I'm so- also sorry to any Tollivers. <laughs> know if they exist but sorry sorry to you i don't know i I need something like wizardy but can it be like a th yes what i I didn't know you said it starts you wanted a t sound no that's a i just has to start with a t what about thackeray so vivian needs to lie low and hide from her warlock ex-boyfriend thackeray she decides to run off to the last place anyone would think to look for her but that also happens to be the one place that she's not exactly welcome. Her estranged sister's house. Her sister's name starts with an O. Ostara. So she shows up late one night at Ostara's house and obviously not received with open arms. It's very clear that her sister is not happy to see her. Also kind of convinced she never would have seen her again. She's about to shut the door in her face, but Vivian's like, Please, I need somewhere to go. I will do anything. Family's one of those things that even when you're like really pissed at them and they've done really crappy things, like there's always this kind of annoying little string tugging at you to do whatever it is that needs to be done. It's very clear that she's panicked. And so Astara is like, fine, you can stay here, but you need to figure out what you're doing and you're going to have to pay rent. She goes and gets a gig as a bartender down a couple blocks at a place that is a coffee cocktail bar. So in the morning, they're a coffee shop. And then sometime in the late afternoon, evening, they kind of shift over. Now they're a bar and they're open. So they're open from like five in the morning to midnight. This place is called Toil and Trouble. Oh my God. Incredible. So she's been working there for a while. She's coming home late one night. And she runs into Astara's next-door neighbor, who is leaving for work. And through the haze of exhaustion, she doesn't, not really paying much attention to the woman that's coming down the stairs. But as they pass, she notices her shoes. They're these beat-up brown leather boots. And they kind of remind her of this favorite pair of shoes that she lost when leaving college. And so she offers the woman a compliment. Then the woman responds with a thanks and kind of mumbles something about how the boots were like an ironic memento left by an ex-girlfriend that walked out on her in the middle of the night. And Vivian freezes. She turns around and she looks at the woman and she says, I need an L name. Laura. And she says, Laura. And both of them freeze. Yep. It's Laura. It's her college 
ex-girlfriend. It's a relationship that indeed ended when Vivian vanished in the middle of the night, in the middle of the final semester of her senior year. No note, no call, absolutely no explanation. She just was gone. Laura, understandably, isn't happy to see Vivian. In fact, (laughs) she's pissed. After lots of too loud expletives, Laura has punctuated their interaction with a firm, I don't want to see you ever again. And this should be it. It's very final. Until it isn't. Because after Toil and Trouble's night manager retires... It's announced that the assistant daytime manager will be taking over the position. And in walks, much to Vivian's dismay, Laura. Incredible. The first few days go by without a word. Tasks for Vivian are delivered through coworkers. Laura doesn't seem to want to talk to her. She seems determined not to speak to her directly. But then two of the bartenders call out sick one night and Laura has no choice but to step behind the bar with Vivian. It's tense at first. They're kind of awkwardly shimmying around each other, taking orders, but it's pretty busy. So it's not difficult to work in the same area as each other, but not interact. But then this frat guy slips something into the drink of a soon-to-be bride at her bachelorette party. And Laura is moving to intervene, but she stops when she sees Vivian making intense eye contact with the bride's glass. She's muttering under her breath, and in an instant, the glass mysteriously shatters, and everyone at the bar is very confused as to what's happened. Did somebody drop something? But it seems fine. They're laughing. So Laura goes to clean up the glass that is broken, and then she turns and she sees now that Vivian has turned her attention to the frat guy's glass, and she watches as the liquid changes colors several times before returning to its original amber color. And a few moments after the frat guy takes a sip, he gets violently ill. (laughs) Vivian is feeling absolutely righteous, a little bit smug. But then she looks up and sees Laura, who is staring at her absolutely perplexed. Incredible. The night has to continue. It's very busy. But when they close up, Laura confronts Vivian about what she saw, and Vivian is doing her absolute damnedest to try and clean up and get out of there because she knows she was just caught, and she doesn't want to explain. We love a good flight in a fight or flight situation. (laughs) But of course, she's not going to get away with it, right? They have history, and Laura is now has more questions than ever. Why did this woman leave her in the middle of the night and not just leave her, but left school? She didn't finish college. All of a sudden, absolutely no warning. She just vanished. And now she's returned into her life. Laura doesn't really want her there, but then she seems to, as much as she doesn't want to admit it, it seems like her ex-girlfriend might be a witch. Be like, I really knew that she had been a bitch to me, but I didn't know she was a witch in the reclaimed sense. (laughs) (laughs) So they're doing this. They're having this conversation. Vivian's like, look, I know we have a lot to talk about. Let's go to the diner down the street. Have a conversation. They go. They're having some coffee. 
pancakes, the works. And Vivian's like, look, you can ask me whatever. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to answer it, but you, you can ask me whatever you want. And so Laura is like, what happened tonight? What did I see? And Vivian is a little cagey about it. But then when Laura says to her, did you perform some kind of magic? Vivian's like, yes. And Laura, despite seeing what she saw and despite being told that she was correct in her assumptions, is now being confronted with the fact that magic is a real thing. That apparently her ex-girlfriend, who absolutely crushed her and left her with just a pair of boots, admittedly they're wonderful, but <laughs> that's all, is apparently someone that can use magic. That's a lot. That's a, that's a you know, on top of the emotional baggage, uh, her reality has now been called into question. <laughs> Man, I, I almost wish that, like, one of my exes had left with me with just like a cool pair of boots one of them left me with an unused toilet in the garage he was a plumber and was convinced that he was gonna change out the toilet upstairs for some reason he never did um but the toilet got put to good use in that it got installed in my aunt's house when she was refinishing her basement um but it's no pair of boots is what i'm trying to say it's clear that Laura is having some kind of existential crisis about everything that she's learned tonight. And Vivian is doing her best to figure out how she can support Laura in this moment while also not being inappropriately in her way because they have a lot of baggage. And Vivian is aware that she hurt Laura. She gets her a milkshake, some fries. They're going to work this out. And as... Vivian is trying to figure out how to broach the subject of magic being a real thing and her being a witch, Laura all of a sudden looks up and has a complete, like, clear look in her eye. Like, the the, the haze of not understanding reality has lifted and she looks Vivian dead in the eye and she asks, is this the reason that you left? And Vivian's not quite sure how to answer that question because Vivian didn't leave because she's a witch in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But because she is a witch, that did have to do with why she left. It also has to do with why she is estranged from Ostara, her sister. But it's a big can of worms that, like, was going to take a long time to un- ravel and work through and get to anything productive Mm -hmm. and like it's nearing the wee hours of the morning the sun's gonna be up soon and this just feels like they need to do it some other time and right as she's trying to figure out how she's going to convince Laura to either come back with her or let her come over to her house or meet up at some other time for them to have this discussion because Vivian has decided, you know, like she really cares about Laura and she wants her to have the answers. As she's deciding all of this, the bell to the diner door rings and she looks up and standing there is Thackeray. God damn it. Now he doesn't see her, but now she has to make a getaway. But it's a little hard to make a getaway from someone that you left, vanished from, 
especially someone that you're trying to have a productive conversation with, doesn't, it's not a great look for you to just get up and leave again, right? And so in one of those classic action movie kind of moves where it's like, come with me, we're in danger, we need to leave without being noticed, she gets up, manages to get Laura to go with her. And as they're exiting through the back, she looks back and locks eyes with Thackeray. Damn. But they're able to leave. They run off. They go back to Laura's apartment. Laura now has more questions. Why did we have to leave all of a sudden? What? Like, you are, there's clearly so much you are not telling me. And so now I'm questioning on top of my questions that I've had for years, like, what is going on? And Vivian's like, okay, here is the deal. I may or may not have made a pact with a coven of sorcerers in order to magnify the natural magic that my family already had. Mm. Of course, Laura's like, why? Vivian admits that her mother had had some health problems and she thought as a young, naive college student that if she just got better at magic, that maybe she could find something to help her mom. And so even though her family had warned about this organization, you know, she knew that they were no good. They were also the only people around that seemed to have any way of helping her improve the way she needed to in the short amount of time that her mom had left. And so she signs this pact. She's now one of them. She has access to all of their resources and is imbued with power that magnifies what she already had, but also now she has means of expanding. At first, it's really exciting, but then she was in her final semester of senior year of college. All of a sudden, she started being asked to do a lot of really weird magical tasks that she wasn't comfortable doing by this organization. And every time she tried to refuse, they threatened her. They're basically like the witch mafia. Perfect. I envision them with more like Italian accents or (laughs) Russian accents. Like, is is there a vibe? I think they're like definitely Eastern European. Ooh, hot girl shit. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> at first she's like fine I you know I I did this to help my mom I I almost have I think what I need so I just need to stay in this long enough to help my mom and and then I will figure it out but I you know I gotta play the game so she does she does a lot of things that don't feel super great they basically work as instead of muscle for hire they're magic for hire mm. So she does a lot of things that are certainly unethical, but some things that are kind of bordering on illegal. She's changing test scores for students at the university. She's magically hacking into records. She's putting up wards and quote unquote protection spells on places that criminals are hiding out. Mm. And not just... Like, your average criminal, but, like, 
magical criminals, you know? So not like your, not like your run-of-the-mill criminals. The kind that do it with flair. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And then she gets what she needs. She has a, she's finally found a spell. She studied all of the healing magics, all of the things she thinks are going to help her mom. And she has it and she's gonna help her mom. And then she's asked to do something absolutely unspeakable. And she gets so scared. And that's what sends her running in the middle of the night. She leaves not just her girlfriend, Laura, who she loved very, very much, but she also leaves her family behind. Her mother, who she was trying to help, her sister, who has been trying to help their mother in other ways, who she also lied to about joining this clan of sorcerers, this mob of warlocks and magicians. (laughs) And and she she just takes off. And she's learned enough that she thinks they won't be able to find her. Also, she's just one cog in a machine. Like, how important is she? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. She's just like a henchman, really. Exactly. And so she, she's just one of lots of henchmen. So she thinks, they're going to look for me for a little while, but then they're just, it's just not going to be worth their resources. And I have to stay away long enough to basically convince them that I'm gone. I'm never coming back. Mm -hmm. And so she does. She leaves. She goes to the other side of the world. And then she gets news that her mother died. Oh. But she can't come back for the funeral because they'll be looking for her. That's so devastating. Like, she did all of this for one purpose. And her sister is absolutely furious because not only did she not come back for the funeral in the time that she was gone they had been contacted enough that her sister knew at least to some extent what was going on and so now she's mad at her for doing joining a organization that their family is vehemently opposed to but also she didn't come back for her own mother's funeral god and just like i bet her sister just feels so left high and dry in one of the most difficult moments of her life just a double hurt of that to know that someone that you did all this stuff for is gone and the only person who you can really commiserate with who really understands the depth of the loss that you're experiencing is fucking furious with you this is heartbreaking so now We're back with Laura and Vivian in the present day. And Vivian is waiting for Laura to say anything. And Laura is so quiet. And then Laura gets up, crosses the room, and hugs Vivian. Oh. See, I feel, okay. I want you to know that this is a really beautifully written scene. Because it's just this. This small moment of compassion and kindness. I would be weeping at this point. Jesus Christ. Okay, continue. I'm not going to (laughs) cry. You're not going to cry. Vivian cries for the first time in a very long time. Oh my God. Laura comforts her. 
They go to sleep. They wake up the next morning. Laura is asleep on the couch. Vivian is making breakfast when Laura wakes up. And, you know, it's a very nice gesture for the fact that, you know, Laura was so comforting the night before. And also, Vivian could have just left. But, you know, she's trying to break old habits. It's awkward, for sure. There was a lot of vulnerability. And also, Laura is understandably not necessarily ready to forgive Vivian. But she has a much better idea of the dynamics that led to her decision to leave. And also now knows that it wasn't her. Yeah. And that she was right. That there wasn't anything wrong about their relationship like there wasn't anything missing or uncomfortable or upsetting that would cause Vivian to leave instead it was a completely unfathomable set of circumstances that ultimately led to that decision it's awkward but they're having some coffee together having some eggs random you know uh ambiguous fruit flavored toaster pastries (laughs) Um, Laura looks down and is like, oh, you got a tattoo. It's a tattoo of a ghost. Hell yeah. It's not as cute as yours. Thank it's you. not whimsical. It doesn't have a yeah. top hat. Or a martini. Nope, it doesn't. I wouldn't describe it as cute. It's a little haunting looking, but Ooh. also kind of beautiful. Okay. Lots of shadows, shading. Vivian quickly pulls her sleeve down like she does not want Laura looking at this tattoo. Oh, snap. And she just mutters something dismissive and you know, they go back to sitting in silence. Laura's like, look, I, I understand why you left. I think it's terrible, this situation that you were in and, uh, you know, the fact that the decisions you made so severely impacted not just you, but your sister, me. And then she goes, is that who was following you? Is that why we had to leave the bar? And Vivian tries to play dumb. She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, no, there was a guy that walked in. And Vivian's like, well, yes and no. She goes, that's my ex-boyfriend, Thackeray. He is a part of the mega creepy mob organization. But I didn't know that until recently. (laughs) Oh, I was waiting for that to be like, surprise, motherfucker. That's like some, man, that's some fucking FBI shit right there. That's some fucking, let me be an undercover cop, basically, for this scenario and have you person outside of this movement that we want to try to get. Let me have you fall in love with me and have babies and then surprise, motherfucker. I'm a mafia member. Damn, that's some shady shit. I'm just so mad. <laughs> Laura's like, well, what do you mean? He's, what do you mean you didn't know? And Vivian explains that, you know, she was abroad and she just met this guy who had come in from the rain into a bar where she was working. He just was charming. He was chatting with her and, you know, she didn't really think anything of it. She chats with lots of people as a bartender Mm -hmm. and some people are more interesting than others. He was one of the more interesting ones, but ultimately she didn't expect 
anything out of that interaction. He was a customer. But then he came back the next day and the next day and the next day. And they were having a lovely time and she asked him out. They were together for six months. She really liked him. And then she overheard a phone call that was quite strange. And then one day she came home early from work and she, the door to his office was like kind of cracked and she saw him performing some magic, which was a little odd because they hadn't ever talked about it. And when you have magic, it's usually pretty easy to tell that other people also are magic users. But for some reason, she wasn't able to tell. And then she recognizes some of the spell that he's doing. And there's only one place this could have come from. And so she walked backward out of the apartment and ran. So Laura's like, what are we going to do? And Vivian's like, what do you mean? What are we going to (laughs) do? This is a me problem, my dude. You are going to go to work consider this my notice. I'm gonna get the hell out of Dodge. And Laura's like, you can't leave again. You can't do this to your sister again. You can't do this to me again. Oh, it's so compelling. Keep going. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. I just, I just want the listeners to know my anguish that I'm experiencing here because this is just such... Good, like, the, I'm just spinning this into such brilliant dialogue moments in my head. Oh, okay. Keep going. And Vivian, you know, is like, I, I, I do not have a choice. These people are dangerous. If he get, catches me, it, like, it, they, will, they will destroy everything. Like, this is for your own good. This is for the, you know, this is to protect... Ostara, this is to protect you. This is to protect my home. Like, I have to leave. Like, this was my mess. I shouldn't have gone to these people in the first place. And I'm the one that has to clean it up. Or at least make sure the mess happens somewhere well outside of your jurisdiction, if you will. Hugh Vance Joy's mess is mine playing softly instrumental in the background. And Laura's like... No, like, you can't run forever. Like, that's not a way to live. And they're gonna catch you eventually. And we have to, there has to be something we can do. And she's like, look, I I don't know anything about magic. But surely, based on some of the things you've told me, there's ways that you can safeguard against these people. And Vivian's like, yes, but they're not, I, I would need something so much larger than I'm able to do. Like, I can charm certain objects and make it more difficult to be tracked. I can hex a door so that certain people can't open it, but like, they will find a way. They are an all-powerful group of hundreds, thousands of magical people. Like, (laughs) I am one person. They're mega wizards. They're mega wizards. And Vivian kind of glances down and over at the shoe rack where her old brown beat-up leather shoes are that are now Laura's. And kind of glances away. And Laura's like, why are you looking at my shoes? And they have a fun little exchange where she's like, well, no, they're, I mean, they're my shoes. I left them there. <laughs> and she's like, like, bitch, um, 
They're my <laughs> shoes. They were abandoned. I adopted them. And she goes, well, I'm just remembering, you know, like I made it so that I couldn't be tracked while I was wearing those shoes. So the shoes are enchanted. Love it. She's like, I, I made it so that I, I, I couldn't be tracked. Um, and that was when I was, you know, doing my evil deeds for the people. But she's like, but I can't be tracked by other people. But I could, you know, the the magical mafia could find me. And she kind of, the wheels in her head start turning because she's trying to figure out, you know, it's been a while. She still practices, you know, she still does her thing. She's studied magic from other people in the world. And she's thinking, okay, maybe I can fix this. Maybe I can do what I did to the shoes all those years ago, but like on a a larger scale. Maybe I can doctor the magic so that like they can't find us or maybe it'll project footpaths in the opposite direction to kind of mislead them. Her wheels are turning and, and then it's like one of those big brain, I'm having a thought, clear the room, where's a piece of paper, those kind of moments where- Scribbling on the wall. Yeah. And so she's just talking everything out with Laura and then- and then she's like, we have to go to my house. So they go across to the other apartment and they go to Ostara. And Ostara's like, the fuck is going on? And they're like, we don't have time to explain, but I need your help. Because Ostara, while she's not as powerful as Vivian, she is also a witch. Laura, mostly useless in this particular area. Laura's arm candy. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming up with a plan and then her sleeve rolls up again and Ostara sees the ghost tattoo and she turns as white as a ghost. And Laura's like, what? What is it? No, she she tried to deflect this earlier and they're having this conversation off to the side. So Vivian's not a part of this. And she goes, that's like she is they they did that to her. Like she is marked for kill. Like they are they are not they are wanting to kill her mm. and that's because the thing that she was tasked with doing before she up and vanished was an assassination of one of the organization's like most prominent and powerful enemies and the reason she was tasked with it is because all of the things that she had done previously, she did in such a way that they didn't lead back to the organization. Like she was like the best at covering her tracks. So it wasn't that she was the most powerful witch. It was just that she was one of the most intelligent. Like she just knew how to move in the world in a way that nobody could figure out what she was doing. She was uh, sneaky. She was sneaky. And so they had tasked her with this assassination. But what Ostara and Laura don't know is that it wasn't just a very prominent enemy. The witch she was supposed to kill was like the prime minister. Oh, so that would have probably been really bad. Yeah, so not only would she have been a murderer, she also probably would have been in a lot of trouble for, like, I don't know, treason or something. <laughs> so cash. Yeah, just some casual treason. <laughs> just casual oh. treason on Tuesday. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> was it a Tuesday? I thought it was a Wednesday. 
It was a Wednesday. I'm pretty sure it was a Wednesday. <laughs> Christ. Oh, my God. Casual Treason on a Wednesday is a great album name. Is it? If it's like, like for like an anarchist punk band in like a ironic way. <laughs> or maybe it's Toby Keith's next album. Who knows? So now this plot has been revealed and they're, Ostara and Laura are trying to wrap their heads around this. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you found out that your sister, your ex-girlfriend, your best friends, like, was just possibly going to, like, not only kill someone, but, like, assassinate a world leader, you'd be a little... It's, like, reality shifting for a second time. Mm -hmm. But this time, not just for Laura, because she's found out that magic is real, but also for Ostara, because she's like, what the hell? And also, Ostara yeah. still doesn't have some of the context for, like, why she was even doing this. So she's still pretty pissed that she even got mixed up with these people. Vivian's very much like, we're, we're leaving that for later. We're gonna figure <laughs> this out now. And so they come up with a plan. They set out. And importantly, Ostara is wearing the brown shoes. She walks one direction and everybody else goes in a different direction. The Magical Mafia hones in on the shoes, which are, they can tell that magic is being used, but it's not being masked, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's not from them, at least. They they can they can tell. So they think that they've caught Vivian, but it's Ostara. So they're like, what? Who who are you? Like, you're just her sister? Like, you guys haven't spoken in years. And she's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But then it occurs to Thackeray, who is one of these people that has caught her, that how did she get these shoes? Like, why, are these, why is this the first time she's wearing these shoes? In fact, he knows for a fact that these shoes or with some random girl who he always assumed just like bought them in a thrift store or something. So now he's like, huh, something's up. I think that he should just not think. <laughs> I would love it if you didn't think. I would love it if you didn't. So then they hold Ostara hostage. Oh no. They take yeah. her back to their lair compound headquarters whatever word you want to use that feels appropriate lair they take her back to their lair <laughs> <laughs> the magical mafia lair yeah she is in a room alone but then we see her take off the shoes and then we see her go over to a wall where there's an air vent and all of a sudden this billowing cloud like lavender smoke is like kind of pooling out of the air vent mm, like a like a, a lavender haze no pooling out of the... no 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 would you say maybe it's like more like a deep purple sort of like a, a smoke on the water kind of look come on you didn't go for taylor you can at least go for deep purple oh my gosh bah, bah, bah. sorry go ahead and in this elaborate rescue that i've definitely thought about many For times sure. so i totally understand how it's exactly going to happen every single move laura comes to the door of the compound feigning car trouble mm. or something of that nature Food delivery mm, yeah exactly i got your shawarma these warlocks are like 
we did not order shawarma. And of course, these are like the new henchmen. So they have no idea who this is. And then bust through Vivian with all of her magic. And she's like, it's like a shootout, except for a lot more whimsical and magical as she takes down the mafia. Incredible. I'm picturing sort of like, okay, let's put it this way. I'm not going to say the name, but it's sort of like if oh my god who is in that god-awful movie that we watched with the gunfight you know what i'm saying where they had no emotions oh who it was, was the that? knockoff of the keanu reeves movie yeah yeah, yeah i think yeah. it was christian bale it was christian bale because i kept wanting to go like oh sort of like it's giving keanu reeves vibes but i wanted it to be way more camp so it has to be christian bale vibes I'll let anyone who wants to figure that out, figure that out. <laughs> Taking down people left and right. Do, 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 do. Makes it to the head honcho's room, which is where, of course, she finds Thackeray. In addition to, like, the head of the magical mafia, who is a woman, first name, K. Oh, hold on. I have to think really hard about this. I want to get it right. What about Killian? Killian? Yeah. A woman named Killian, head of the magical mafia, the person with whom Vivian signed the pact, is like, you know, at last we meet. Kind of like a, it's not quite a villain speech, but it's definitely like, this has been a long time coming, yada, yada, yada. I sent Thackeray after you, you foolish girl. And then they break out into their magical fight. Amazing. In the middle of this, Laura is following the purple cloud smoke to where she will find Ostara so that she can get her out of the house. That's the plan. And then in the middle of the fight that is happening in the other room, Thackeray lets out a really gross kind of sharp black oozing... Like, it's sharp, but oozing at the same time. Yeah, no, no, I get you. It's sort of like needly, sort of... Yeah, yeah. Vivian thinks for sure she's about to die, but then she doesn't. And when they all open their eyes, he has just stabbed Killian. (gasps) Everyone's super confused. Killian is now dead. And Vivian doesn't really know what to do because they were all just fighting her a second ago. And this clearly wasn't an accident. He meant to stab her. He then delivers a kind of villainish monologue in which he reveals that he wants to be head of the magical mafia. Ah. And, you know, this just seemed like as good a time as any because now they'll blame Vivian for her death and he'll get away with it. And all he has to do is kill her to make it look believable. Potentially. Potentially, yes. Kill her or let her go. She's still marked for death. They'll still find her. And in fact, it'll look even more believable if he lets her go. Oh, so true. And right in the middle of his speech, he stops talking. There's a sharp sound and Laura has stabbed him (gasps) with a dagger that she found and he kind of drops to the ground. So now... Vivian is looking shocked, but also really impressed. She thinks that 
that was probably the hottest thing she's ever seen. <laughs> so, the, you know, swords, daggers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the love of your someone... life just absolutely annihilate your enemy. <laughs> There's what nothing could hotter. be hotter. <laughs> nothing. Nothing could be hotter. So Laura drops the dagger. She walks towards Vivian, and they have, like, that epic post-battle kiss. You knew it was going to happen. They're about to leave and walk out. Ostara's like, let's go. And Vivian's like, wait, no, I need to remove the mark or they'll never stop coming after me. She finds Killian's special magical item that has the power to do this. And she's able to remove the ghost tattoo. And then they get the hell out of there. Hell yeah. And then we cut to our epilogue, which is them unpacking, moving into some really cool house, the three of them, far away from wherever it is that the mafia hangs out. We have Laura reading a book about witchcraft. Maybe she's going to learn a thing or two. Oh, that's so cute. And Vivian brings over some coffee as she's studying this book of witchcraft. And then Vivian opens a textbook because she's going to finish that college degree that she left. Hell yeah, bitch. Get that paper. The end. That was remarkable. That was incredible and exactly what I wanted on this spooky October day because it is definitely spooky in October right this second. I love that. So I do have I do have some questions that we will get to. But first, um, do you mind if I cast your film with Absolutely you? cast my film. Okay, so starting at the top, I would like to potentially present to you Madeline Petch as Vivian. Mmm. My question is, does she fit can she fit in the correct age bracket? for how old you would want Vivian to be. I mean, Vivian needs to be close to probably early 30s. So I think she's 29. So perfect. Okay. And then Ostara, younger sister, Sadie Sink. Oh, I know. Yeah. Okay. I would cast Sadie Sink in anything. So I love her. Oh, and also um, the mom in the cutscenes will be played by Jessica Chastain. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. This is um, the movie for the redheads. It really is. I, I, You said witch and I went redhead. All right, let's do it. Then um, for Laura, I would like to present Kenitio Horn. I feel like she would have the perfect attitude for Laura's character. Okay. For Thackeray, I since we decided that the mafia was more Eastern European, um, <laughs> I chose Sebastian Stan. He's Romanian. Um, okay, yeah, I love Sebastian Stan. I love him so, my man, Sebastian Stan. I oh my god, I really do so freaking love Sebastian Stan. For I think Killian, he would make a great I, villain. Okay, yeah, who's Killian? Oh my god, he would make the best villain are you kidding me it's the eyebrows it's the eyebrows um killian is gonna be played by angela bassett oh my god 
I I love Angela Bassett, and I think she could play an incredible mob boss. Honestly, Angela Bassett could play every single role in this. She movie. really could. We could just have this be Angela Bassett as every character, and I think it would be like it would just be her in different wigs, and it would be the most compelling thing that you ever saw. Oh my god, I know. You would feel fulfilled after seeing this one woman show. That's my cast that I would like to present to you. I love it. All right, I'm going to do I'm going to do a roll call for anyone who missed anything. Vivian is Madeline Petch. Ostara is Sadie Sink. Laura is Canitio Horn. Thackeray is Sebastian Stan. And Killian is Angela Bassett. But Chelsea, um, I do have some questions. Okay, great. Lay them on me. About the rom comitude of your <laughs> presented uh, plot. Mm-hmm. I love this. I would watch this movie a million times. I'm not quite sure you made a rom-com. And Perhaps not, but I would argue that it is a second chance romance story. It definitely is. You 100% succeeded in that measure. Um, so for do they date, I think hanging out, talking about overthrowing a magical mafia definitely counts as dating in my yeah, book. for sure. In fact, I'm kind of pissed that no one has ever put together a date where we take down a magical mafia okay so anyone who wants to take me on a date in the future i swear to god if this isn't on the table i am out if you want to be yeah. my lover you gotta take down the mob magical mafia <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, which spice girl do you want to be <laughs> But my sticking point is I don't know how well comedy is essential to the plot of this movie. It's very much more dramatic than comedic. Yeah, here's the thing. I think when I started making this, it was more going to be more like whimsical and but then I I got sucked in by the spookiness. The spooky yeah. potential. And I think I I, I ran away with it. I, I went I down think... a dark path, much like Vivian. <laughs> uh. But you know what? I think there will still be some funny moments. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this... this I don't think drama. this is a funny story. I think yeah. it could be. I think there is a version of this where it's like silly and but that's just not the version I ended up creating. So That's okay. That's okay. You started out with you just need Gary Marshall to come back to life <laughs> and take this and make it a magical Cinderella like story. Um <laughs> Hey, it is spooky time. Do you want to do a little necromancy? make this happen Mm, yeah how appropriate on theme on brand what a great Um, on theme reference no i'm gonna edit that out that was not good (laughs) it was so 
Okay. It was so bad. No, it was so bad. Oh my god. That was also um, a reference to the book. But I'm yes. cutting this, so I didn't need to explain that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, that was a surprisingly good Welsh accent. Except it was supposed to be Scottish. <laughs> I know, but it ended up being such a good Welsh accent. I don't think it was even a Welsh accent. I really think... Honestly, I'm half expecting us to start getting hate mail that's just like... Or fan mail that's just pleading <laughs> with us to stop doing accents. <laughs> Should we just do accents for the rest of the episode? Oh, so you you definitely didn't hit the mark on uh, comedy, which is fine. And then is love in the driver's seat? That's gonna be a yes for me. Um, in two ways, I feel like Laura's motivation in the plot ends up being romantic, and Vivian's to a degree, but Vivian is. Her journey is much more dedicated to both self-love with deciding that she's worthy of having a better life than just constantly looking over her shoulder and running away. Um, And I mean, all of this started from the love that she had for her mom. So I think that, um, you know, you, you both have maternal inspired love and then also romantic love in this story but all of it really circles back to self-love i mean they're in the story but is that what's driving the story i mean it is for laura i mean i guess i could argue that if she had not run into laura that she probably just would have skipped town Mm -hmm. you know when thackeray caught up to her yeah so in that regard i don't know yeah i don't know this one's kind of a doozy either honestly way, this one failed great. for comedy so it's not a rom-com admittedly but i think it would be a great story <laughs> i i gen um do you do you know how mad i am right now that we can't have studio execs who pay writers and actors fair livable wages to make shit like this happen i am livid (laughs) absolutely mad this is so good oh my god why aren't we doing this professionally no one's paying us that's literally the definition of (laughs) profession (laughs) professionally yeah and no one's gonna be paying us anytime soon no 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 Not for this. No. Madison, we did forget a very important cast member. (gasps) Oh my god, we did. Holy shit, Batman. Okay. (laughs) How are we casting number one fan of the pod, Stanley Tucci? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked this because I, Stanley Tucci is going to be a very essential character um, in his patronage of Toil and Trouble, in mm. that he gets there every single morning and orders himself, what, an Americano? Yeah, orders himself an Americano, always tips so generously. And then every evening after he gets off work, 
he stops in for a single glass of red wine and a nice chat with whoever is there. Sometimes he enjoys live music while he's there. Other times he's having, if he's, you know, having a more quiet night to himself, he'll be there with a book and his glass of red wine. And I love that for him. We love it. All right. Well, Madison, how excited are we for this to be a movie? Well, Chelsea, what are my options of excitement? Down at the bottom, not very excited. We are going to stay home because we already have plans to rewatch an unnamed but hilarious sitcom. It's true. It's unnamed, but by God, is it hilarious. Of course, we could pirate it. If we're feeling a little bit motivated to watch it, we could, you know, wait for it to be on DVD or streaming somewhere to watch it. Or we can, you know, we'll catch it when we can in the theater. But of course, if we absolutely love this, we could door bust opening day, potentially in coordinated outfits. So Chelsea, I think I'm going to have to give this one a 4.5 in that I don't think that I'll end up going as soon as it comes out but i will make i will actively go see it i will go see it wearing a cute little witch hat and afterwards i want to make a whole day of it and since this is occurring during a spooky time of the year i'm probably gonna hit up an unnamed ice cream shop where they chop chop fold fold all your mix-ins in where they have that like black colored ice cream that's just mm. a sweet cream ice cream that they've dyed. And gonna mix in those orange filled chocolate cookies that are sandwiches. They are sandwich cookies that are chocolate and have orange filling. I love that our commitment uh, to not say the name of anything, we're just extending, like not saying the name of film and TV. Uh, you're taking that and you're just like, I'm going to be vague about literally everything I discuss. <laughs> because I've decided that if they want us to mention them, they will sponsor us. You know what? I appreciate your commitment to fair pay for promotion. Yeah. God damn it, Warm Rock. Either pay me in money or pay me in ice cream. <laughs> Watching you puzzle this out is incredible. <laughs> I have no idea. It's cold stone. <laughs> warm, but you said warm rock. Yeah, cold stone. But cold stone, cold is opposite of warm. Yeah. So that was not because I thought cold stone, but I'm like that doesn't make any sense because it's warm. Yeah, like you should have said frigid rock. rock. Ooh, frigid. Ro okay, should I start back then? <laughs> No. In fact, I'm going to keep all of this in just because it's so funny. <laughs> well, I was trying to do like an opposite thing, but then I couldn't think of what's opposite of a rock. It was No, a, you have stone. to you have to lean into it like certain children's networks did with devices that were in the shape of fruit. That was not the fruit that certain companies use as their logo. Oh, so what you're saying is that um, I should just work harder on naming Chili Pebble. <laughs> Ice Boulder. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Sorry, I realize we're still talking about the same thing. But I thought I thought Chili as like the 
the, the <laughs> dish. The dish. So I was like, <laughs> what? Oh my god. We have descended into mayhem and madness. It's a 4.5. <laughs> Great. I feel similarly. I don't want to say that it's a 5, but I... I will say writing this, like, or coming up with this was very exciting. And I was like, do I turn this into something? <laughs> Dude, yes. I don't know. I, I really liked it. And also, because I'll, I'll be honest, when I was first trying to come up with the second chance romance, I was like, I don't know. I, I, I thought about toying around with, like, a split timeline where Ooh. it would be a story of, like, two women when they were younger and and the reason that it's a second chance romance is because they didn't feel like they could be together at the time and then you go forward in time and somehow they reconnect and like their spouses are out of the picture now and then so then not only is a second chance romance but we get a romance between some awesome older ladies which is then a callback to our very first rom-com road trip exactly but I felt like that would in circles, but I thought that would require me to do research about a time period that I'm probably not familiar with, uh, in the span of a week. And as we've mentioned, we're not paid for this. And so I was like, I don't have time to do research about the fifties, the sixties, seventies. Damn it. Snorio pay us. But would you would you be interested in maybe going and seeing this with me um, in theaters? Uh, Nicole Kidman doing her thing. We wear witch hats and then go get ice cream. I think that is like, honestly, I know that the perfect date is planning the death of a magical mafia boss. But sure. honestly, that's like a pretty good second. Look. I know how to plan shit. I'm already planning your 30th birthday. <gasps> My 30th birthday that has to be themed in a way that I can't express at the moment? Correct. Okay. I'm excited. As you I'm should. so excited. You, you, We have a while before we get there, but well, you yeah, gotta start planning to these things early. I have to save up for the bouncy castle. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> now I have to have a bouncy castle. <laughs> Just a bunch of adults in a bouncy castle. What could because go wrong? here's the thing. If you're ever anywhere with a bouncy castle, like, I don't know, a fair. I, I don't know. They have them at, like, usually, com- like, town events sometimes. They'll have them. But they're, like, four kids and it's, like, no one over the age of eight in the bouncy castle. And so, and also, but there's, like, kids there, so you're, like, trying, like, it's for them, be respectful. But, like, you're a little bit jealous because you're, like, a bunch of adults put this on and you can't even, and it it makes me think that I I used to go to a pool when I was younger where, like, they had adult swim. And so for, like, 20 minutes every two hours or something, they would blow the whistle. It was adult swim and only adults could be in the pool and so you, everybody else had to, like all the kids had to get out of the pool and i Fuck feel yeah. like we should have adult bouncy house time and i think the kids should have to wait and everybody should get a little turn on the bouncy house i just think it's right the last bouncy house that i was in 
I was 18 about to turn 19 in like a couple months. And I was in New York with my friend Cassidy. And we went to the Museum of Sex. And they had a boob bouncy castle. Oh my god. That's incredible, actually. It would it, it was so amazing. Um I highly recommend. I used to have a video of myself in this bouncy castle. I don't know what happened to it. Um it probably just, you know, got lost to the digital age. But yeah, I so that does exist. Um and I'll I'll work on getting something similar for your 30th birthday. <laughs> I mean, I thought the bouncy castle would like be more on theme. Oh well, we can we can make it on theme, I guess. Okay, we're gonna on yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A themed bouncy castle. Everyone's gonna be clamoring to get an invite to this party. They are. We're gonna have to sell tickets. Yeah, uh, that's how we can pay for the custom <laughs> bouncy castle that we're gonna. <laughs> exactly, those don't come cheap. So, yeah, if you'd like to follow the link in our bio for our GoFundMe for Chelsea's <laughs> Custom Bouncy Castle. I'm just kidding. Uh, spend your money on good causes. Like supporting strike funds. Yeah, supporting strike funds. Um, supporting, I don't know, uh, bail funds in relation to Stop Cop City in Atlanta. Um, A cause very close to Madison's heart. Very near and dear to my heart is Stop Cop City. So yeah, just... Honestly, I hope that me saying strike funds by the time this episode comes out is irrelevant. <laughs> oh my god, I know. We're looking at... Jeez. Ugh. I can't even begin to ponder it. Um, But, you know, just support your local and national unions, workers' rights, etc. Throw your money that way if you have a little extra to spare. Well, Madison, next time you're going to be driving us. And I would love to have this story include drunken shenanigans at a wedding. Oh, my God. I cannot wait. I think there's going to be a wreck. <laughs> All right. Drunken wedding shenanigans thank you everyone for coming on this magical journey with us you can look forward to some drunken shenanigans at a wedding possibly with a raccoon next week uh until then you can check us out online on instagram we are at love at first screening uh where we will have a poll about something that i will post do you have ideas I feel like we should figure it out in the episode. <laughs> yeah, we definitely should figure it out um, in the episode. And Oh, I, I know. Um, it'll be thoughts about Pop-Tarts. It'll, be, it'll have to do with Pop-Tarts. Ambiguously fruit-flavored toaster pastries. <laughs> <laughs> it should just be, will you join our class action lawsuit? Ooh, yes. In relation to ambiguously. <laughs> Fruity toaster pastries. <laughs> Ambiguously fruit flavored toaster pastries. And how they are frosted. Will you join yeah. our Will you join our class? class? I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Actually, that's the perfect <laughs> poll.
Amazing. I cannot wait uh, to draft up this legal complaint for you. Not that I know how to do that. Of course, if you would like to submit ideas, tropes that you would like to see us turn into a rom-com for future episodes or particular actors you want us to cast in these, uh, feel free to DM us on Instagram at love at first screening, or of course, send a note to love at first screening at gmail.com. Once again, we are love at first screening. <laughs> we are here every week for the foreseeable future, trying to create things that are both romantic and comedic, but by golly, we're going to give you a story, even if it contains neither of those things, <laughs> that is sure to be a fun time and memorable. So, until next time, frost them tarts! Did you say parts? Yeah, because I thought we were going to say Pop-Tarts, and then I got... I Frost your tarts! Woo!